Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray. Quality people, welcome back to episode number 67 of the Healthcare Quality Cast, powered by the Quality Coaching Company. As always, I'm your host, Jarvis Gray, and I am so excited to jump into our show, so let's get into it. Today's guest is a healthcare leader that I've been following for some time, but regrettably, only now taking the time to truly connect with. This is key because in doing so, I learned that we've probably been crossing paths way too often and not even knowing it. My guest, Jason Povio, is the Senior Vice President of Operations for Eagle Telemedicine based here in Atlanta, Georgia. In this role, he has oversight over all the aspects of the business, including operations, program development and management, credentialing, as well as marketing and business development. Before joining the team at Eagle Telemedicine, Jason served in roles such as Executive Director of Acute Medicine at Mission Health System based in Asheville, North Carolina. Also, while at Mission, he served as Senior Advisor of Process Engineering and Applied Analytics. And before that, he served as Senior Performance Excellence Consultant at Trinity Health based in Livonia, Michigan. Jason is a Lean Six Sigma Black Belt. He holds a Master's of Science of Engineering Management and a Bachelor of Science in Industrial Systems Engineering. So as you can see, he is bringing a ton of hands-on work experience with a very diverse background in systems engineering, healthcare administration, and quality management. Here in episode number 67, Jason starts our show with encouraging us to stay focused on the road ahead. Jason shares how his wife's personal healthcare experience influenced his leadership journey. He underscores the opportunities and outlook of the telemedicine market. Jason shares his biggest moment of failure and how mentors and emotional intelligence help pull him through. He highlights how he leverages active listening to lead high-performing teams. Jason shares his career aha moment centered around improving hospital patient flow. He teaches us how quality people can plug in with the expansive world of virtual healthcare. We do our best to brainstorm strategies for selling healthcare teams on the need to be more innovative. Jason shares his best career advice, laying out a call to action for us to own it, and closes our show with a message to dream big. Jason, I have to say thank you once again for saying yes to this invite and sharing with us your very impressive journey, as well as some deeply reflective experiences. I absolutely cannot wait to get you back on the show to dig deeper around virtual healthcare topics, and please reach out anytime if I or anyone within the Quality People community can support any of the work that you're leading. Quality People, I hope that you're ready for another awesome episode with a very impressive healthcare leader. I invite you to enjoy today's episode and be sure to connect with us through our LinkedIn group and absolutely leave us a rating and review through iTunes or wherever you plug in with this podcast. Take care, everyone, and we'll be back next week with another quality guest. All right. Thank you for joining in on another episode of the Healthcare Quality Cast. And today I'm here with my guest, Jason Povio. Jason, are you ready to share with some quality people? I am. All right. Thank you for having me. No, thank you. Thank you for saying yes. And as we were just kind of talking about in our pre-show with all of the things we are juggling with COVID-19 and work and family, um, Jason, thank you for making the time. So I really appreciate you for it. You bet. So Jason, we love to start our show with positive affirmations to really get our momentum going. So I would love if you could please share your favorite leadership quote or mindset, but also tell us why it appeals to you and how do you apply it on a daily basis? Uh, yeah, uh, interesting question. Um, I, I have so many quotes. Um, I, I love to rotate them on my signature block from time to time. And, and, uh, several in the office like to make fun of me and, uh, ask when the next new quote's coming. Uh, but, uh, one of my all time favorites, uh, actually came from a, a former boss, um, as I was transitioning into a, a larger role. Um, I had some anxieties about just taking on the new responsibility and um, succeeding, you know, you know, and they said to me, don't look back. You aren't going that way. Um, yesterday is over and you, you can't change that no matter how much you might want to. Um, and so I, I look at that and I kind of get excited. You know, uh, each day is a new day and how you choose to attack that day matters. Um, you know, now we all look back from time to time, right? It's, it's a human condition. It's a human thing. 
Um, if it's reminiscing about a really positive event or a time when um, I can think of a, of a good thing, um, then, then that's good. Uh, but my mindset on a daily basis is uh, to go after each new day, free from the past, uh, excited about what the day might bring and, and what I can contribute um, to my family, to my colleagues, um, and to the, to the community at large. So um, I, take, I do take a little bit of time each evening uh, to kind of reflect on the day, sort of process it, uh, but then tuck it away, you know, if you will, so that I'm ready for tomorrow. So that's, that's the mindset and quote that, that I've been sort of living with for the past uh, couple of years. No, I, I can appreciate that, Jason. Um, growing up, my mother used to, you know, kind of instill in me and my brothers that no matter what we're going through, the sun is coming up tomorrow. So I, I guess as I hear you say, don't look back, it just makes me think about a similar message from my mom, which was the sun is coming up tomorrow. Absolutely. So, so yeah, Absolutely. Be, be ready for the new day, the new <laughs> challenges, the new opportunities, and we take it from there, right? You bet. All right, wonderful. Well, thank you for getting us started with that with that great mindset, Jason. And I am, again, I just want to say thank you. Thank you again. Um, I know we connected um, at least through LinkedIn a number of years ago, and I, I'm kind of embarrassed. I never reached out to, to say hi or anything before um, this podcast, but just tracking your career path um, through, you know, the information you shared and through LinkedIn, very, very impressed with your entire career path. Um, up to your current position. So I would love for you to share with our, with our uh, quality people, with our audience, um, your current role, share with us what that is and what that looks like in your organization, um, but also your professional background and what led you into this career path. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, when I, I believe I was the one that uh, reached out at the time, you were actually in a role um, that I was kind of aspiring to at that time. Um, you were at uh, I believe it was Lakeland Regional, um, um, and um, and yeah, so it's just funny how how paths cross over time. Um, yep. Absolutely. Well, like, I was looking at your uh, University of South Florida IE background, I was like, man, I wonder, you know, if we had a chance to cross paths back then, because that would have been opportune, right? <laughs> yeah, it would have been. Um, yeah, so my my current role um, is it, exciting. Um, you know, I'm, I feel blessed to to. And fortunate to have had the opportunity that I currently have, but I really lead a team of, of highly talented individuals to, to really increase access to quality inpatient care through telemedicine. And, and for me personally, I take great pride in knowing that uh, we're truly making a difference in rural and urban communities across the country. Um, you know, I'm really enjoying myself right now, and I, I just work with a, <clears throat> a wonderful group of people who are really aligned on, on a mission. Uh, currently, I'm the Senior Vice President of Operations, and I'm not really big into titles, but um, that just means I get to have my hands in a lot of different things, which for somebody like myself, um, an industrial engineer, um, is just super exciting. I get to dabble in marketing. I get to dabble in business development. I have a strong presence in operations, um, you know, our licensing and credentialing operations, and, and I'm really responsible for helping to set the, the strategic direction for the organization. Uh, for the years to come, so uh, I'm having I'm having a ton of fun with it. My educational background, um, as as we've said, is in engineering. I've got kind of two degrees in in, in engineering, uh, bachelor's in uh, traditional industrial systems engineering, and a, a master's in engineering management, which is kind of like an MBA for engineers, if you will. Um, and I've always had a desire to uh, be involved in medicine. Uh, early on in, in school, I was dabbling with biomedical engineering, um, and my school didn't particularly have a degree pathway. It had some certifications, um, and, and so I kind of chose to go a different path at that time. Um, and anyone who kind of knows me knows that I'm a data junkie, and, and I have an extreme love for advanced analytics. Um, and so I've been fortunate to gain a lot of experience uh, with Lean and Six Sigma, uh, over the years, um, I've done a lot of work with Toyota um, in my traditional engineering past. And so just, you know, a lot of exciting things in my background that makes me a little more diverse. But uh, my foray into healthcare is primarily due to my wife's journey with cancer. Um, she's okay now and she's in remission for 10 plus years or so. But 
um, that journey really highlighted the, the challenges uh, with the healthcare delivery system. Um, and, and we could probably have a whole nother conversation about that. But, you know, at the time, I really complained to my wife uh, a lot uh, about everything that was going on. And, and she really just responded with, then do something about it. Um, you know, I've always believed that, that things can be kind of improved on and, and look for ways to creatively solve problems. And so um, I sort of jumped head into uh, finding a way to get into healthcare and start making a difference. Um, you know, I'll, I'll end with like, you know, there's a joke, an old joke from when I was in school that uh, an optimist sees the glass as half full, a pessimist kind of sees the glass as half empty, while an industrial engineer like myself says, that glass is actually twice as big as it needs to be. And so that's just kind of sort of how I look at things and my perspective on, uh, uh, on life a little bit. No, so I really love and appreciate everything you shared with your background and even how you got into it. Um, first, uh, that joke is just pure classic. So for anyone in the audience who have never heard of it, thank you, Jason, for sharing that. Um, but I want to just maybe touch on, um, you know, the, the story you shared with your wife and how her path got you into healthcare. Um, would just love to give you an opportunity. Um, you want to give a shout out to your wife and just, I don't know if she'll listen to this podcast or not, but just <laughs> anytime something that impactful gets highlighted, I, I really just like to give you the chance to, to shout her out one big time. Oh, absolutely. My, my wife is my rock. Um, no doubt about it. And, um, yeah, her journey was, uh, was a tough one and involved a couple of surgeries and a couple of different diagnoses. And, um, and it was just challenging to, to go through that, that process. Um, she, uh, she went through it like a champ. Um, I was probably the worst of it. Um, and, um, you know, the silver lining in all of it is, is I've, I've been able to have a, a, just a really fantastic second career um, and, and uh, filling my cup, uh, the intrinsic value of knowing that I'm, I'm contributing in a way that, that brings values to patients and communities. So, um, yeah, I can't thank her enough for that. No, that's awesome. Well, I, I love, again, just that, that motivation, man. I'm, you know, it's kind of that spouses and loved ones will make us really step our game up. So I love that she, she kind of set you to the challenge. If you have so many complaints, <laughs> do something about it. So I, I just, I, I love it. And I love that you're doing some, something about it. And again, just kudos to the um, really impressive career path and um, would like to, again, kind of stay with this off scriptness that I'm going through with you right now. But um, the current organization is, would you have any um, ability, uh, we didn't, I guess, talk too much about this, but would you want to give them a shout out, but maybe express with our audience some of the things and the services that you guys are doing, given our current environment with COVID-19? Um, just want to take the opportunity to just teach our audience a little bit about um, telemedicine, uh, the big picture, but even if you want to kind of spotlight some of the specifics within your organization, I'd love to give you a chance. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I currently have the, the opportunity to work with um, and for um, Eagle Telemedicine. And uh, we've been in business for a little over 10 years now. And we provide uh, technology-enabled inpatient care um, to over 200 hospitals now across uh, the country. And we're in 10 to 12 uh, specialties, subspecialties. So, um, our largest footprint is in the teleneurology um, stroke response space, um, but we've got a pretty healthy presence in uh, hospital medicine and uh, ICU critical care coverage. Um, and so our, <clears throat> our programs and our physicians um, really bring um, subspecialty uh, services and access to care to many rural hospitals and communities across the country who that wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to provide that level of service for their patients. Um, they're able to, to keep patients close to home and, and keep that care close to home. Um, you, you know, uh, smaller rural community hospitals um, uh, don't always have the, 
the means to to employ that that neurologist or cardiologist or pulmonary critical care uh, physician <clears throat> to keep those patients um, uh, cared for in their in their setting and provide that that level of, of quality care that the bigger hospitals can and so oftentimes they they um, um, get transferred to those those bigger facilities and that creates a lot of challenges for the patients and the, and the families of of those patients as well and so you know we take great pride in, in being able to provide that that level of service uh, across the country and and specific to COVID-19 um, we're actually really in a well uh, uh, seated position to provide expanded coverage of services for hospitals that are starting to see their EDs overwhelmed or some of their inpatient uh, beds being overwhelmed increased acuities or patient volumes for some of the smaller hospitals and um, we're actually actively ramping up a lot of our resources um, to, to stay ahead of this. Um, we, we're monitoring state and federal regulations on a daily basis, sometimes minute, minute by minute basis about what relaxation of, of rules or regulations are being made um, so that we can kind of best position ourselves to, to, to meet the need uh, where it is. All right, wonderful. And um, I, I know we were maybe jokingly talking about it again before our show, but just even the way you kind of broke that down. And again, for me personally, Jason, I, I've never um, done any real projects or any process improvement opportunities connecting, you know, the, the current healthcare delivery system with telemedicine, but um, would love to just go ahead and invite you back now, maybe for a second episode, and we'll call it like a telemedicine masterclass again, um, if for not my own personal selfish reasons, just to learn more about telemedicine. But um, I, I'd have to just, again, blanket assumption for some of the folks in our audience that, um, you know, to anything more we can learn as folks on the hospital side and the health insurance side um, to start to connect the dots, to drive our projects and innovations towards telemedicine as an option for care. Um, I, I personally want to learn that. So just open invitation, no pressure, but um, if you, you know, and I, 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 that is recorded, so I will hold <laughs> you to it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I um, you know, just to add on a little bit, I started this journey a little over three and a half years ago with um, the prior health system I was employed with. And, and the, the task at hand was to develop a three-year strategy to increase access to care to patients in rural communities, look at the community needs assessments and, and take a good stock at, at all of the options on the table to, to provide that uh, level of care. And um, telemedicine was something that just grows to the top for me. And, and you know, maybe it's my engineering background, I, I don't know, but, um, um, you know, I rode that horse. We implemented several uh, amazing programs. They're still up and running and, and that's what opened the door for this opportunity here, so. All right, perfect. Well, now, Jason, I appreciate you teaching us that much and getting us started again. Really good start to this show. Um, I am going to move you to the next question, and this is kind of the, the dark moment question of the entire interview process. But, Jason, I would love for you to take us on a journey to a point in your career that you would probably consider your best moment of failure. Um, we'd love for you to share with us what that moment was, but definitely kind of take us into the mindset. Um, what were some of the things you were going through to turn that situation around and any major lessons learned that you may have gained from it? Wow. Uh, failure? What's that? What's that? Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I've experienced that much. Um, uh, not, not in the process improvement world. Everything, <laughs> everything we do is gold. So. <laughs> Seriously, though, uh, I'm, a, I'm a husband, a father to three. I'm a, I'm a human being on this planet. Uh, I, I, mean, I fail every day at something. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, I hope it's, this is not a, a, a cop out. Um, but for me, I've been asked this question a, a few times. And, and when I really reflect on it, I, I don't have a single moment of what I would say is like a, a, my best failure. Um, I, I will say in being very vulnerable and transparent, my, my best overall failure was actually a, a series of moments. Um, in my very early 20s um, that led to a, a great mentor of mine, still a great mentor and great friend, kind of pulling me aside and, and having a very com candid conversation about the path that I was heading down. 
you know, so like I said, I was in my early 20s. I was fresh out of school, uh, ready to you know, conquer the world. <laughs> um, I was doing exciting work uh, as an internal consultant. I was traveling all across the country, uh, quote unquote, fixing operations, if you will, um, that weren't meeting their overall uh, key performance metrics. Um, so to say that I thought highly of myself may, may, may be a bit of an understatement <laughs> at that point in my life. And uh, it wasn't a matter of being smart, uh, talented, hardworking, uh, or even like, really good at what I, was, what I did. The issue really was how I carried myself and how I interacted with people. Um, and, and I had a, a lot of challenges implementing change um, and getting people to uh, adopt change in a mindset of continuous improvement. And it was at that moment that uh, he first introduced me to the concept of emotional intelligence and how my apparent and obvious lack of it was, uh, you know, really sabotaged my career. Um, I was fortunate to have uh, an amazing mentor like that who, who really cared about me on a personal level and, and saw potential far beyond the ceiling that I was creating for myself. Um, he invested in me. He helped me to build my internal muscle uh, for emotional intelligence, if you will. Um, it, which, which really helped to foster uh, my ability to develop lasting and meaningful relationships with people and, and how to navigate uh, challenging situations. Um, and, you know, there's, there, there really is a lot to be said for, for how you show up in this world. And um, I've carried that with me for almost 20 years now. Um, and, and I've had the, the fortune of actually paying that forward. And um, I, I take a lot of pride in that. Well, first, um, I can definitely say that was absolutely just a, a wonderfully reflective response to the dark moment question. So, um, so I appreciate you just kind of giving us that real level of vulnerability like you shared. Um, a few things, Jason, that I kind of just snapped out of the, um, the story you just shared there was, um, you know, Jason in his early 20s was... Um, Sharp was on a great career path and was kind of rolling over folks as you were just kind of making a name for yourself. And you had a mentor who kind of helped hold a mirror up and, you know, kind of showed you maybe where that path would lead or some of the, the different relationships you would establish and or make or break. Um, on this podcast, I've talked plenty in the past about the power of mentors, and I think that story highlights, you know, the power of mentors or sponsors, folks that are just willing to invest some of their time and knowledge into us as individuals to help set us right. I would love for you to touch on, because something we've not talked about on the show, if you're, if you're open to it, but let's go back to maybe your point around emotional intelligence and some of the things that you did to to kind of increase that personal awareness, your own personal your own personal EQ. Um, sure. What was that path like? Did you do anything special? Any special books? Um, you know, you talked earlier. I heard around. You know, you take time every day to reflect. That's something I practice as well. But um, just maybe the overall package of strategies that you may have gone through from then to now that have allowed you to grow that emotional intelligence and awareness? Sure. Um, it, it's a series of, of tactics and, and I'll try to keep it uh, somewhat brief, but there, there was a lot of reading um, initially. Uh, what is emotional intelligence and, and how, do you, how do you build it? You know, it's not like IQ. It is something you can actually develop um, and, and build. And um, so there was, there was a lot of reading um, and investment in that space. The, the concept of 360 uh, peer evaluations was something that bubbled up and, and I engaged in uh, quite a bit of that. Um, I sought uh, guidance. Um, so just real quick and simple is, you know, after completing a, a, a facilitation or a, or a meeting, leading a meeting or what it might be, um, with, if not my mentor, somebody that I, that I did look up to and, and uh, sought their perspective, I would give them a call and say, how, how was that? How did I come across? Um, anything I could have done better, said differently, um, you, you know, um, ask a lot of open-ended questions and then just be ready for that feedback. 
<laughs> and and uh, you gotta you gotta prepare yourself and toughen up the skin um, because it's it's in that feedback if you're actively listening um, that you'll get those nuggets of of information that can help you to continue to kind of improve and invest in yourself. Um, and so, you, you know, I, constant counseling, if you will, with uh, with mentors, <clears throat> always seeking to to. Uh, understand how you are presenting, you know, so there's, you, you have a view of, of how you think you come across and then there's the view of how you think others think maybe you've come across, but then to actually seek feedback and input from others who have witnessed it, um, it is, is really where, um, to me, the, the power comes in to, to understand how you truly are presenting to others. All right, perfect. Well. Thank you again, just for sharing those additional insights. Um, again, I, I, I am a personal believer of mentors, but that, that personal development, I think at the heart of every quality person, every, you know, whether you're a lean Six Sigma person, or if you're just a quality patient safety expert, or um, really it's the heart of leadership, I think, is that, that view of um, self-reflection, personal development. But um, just wanted to dig in around that. But everything you shared there, I think, is so applicable. Um, I hope our audience takes a really good, um, you know, just post check on their own point of view and applies everything you just shared there. But um, Jason, let me let me turn the corner and pick the conversation back up. I'm going to move you to our next question, if you're cool with that. Yep. Um, Jason, I would love for you to give our quality people a tip, tool, or tactic that you found works really well for building intimate connections within the project teams that you've led. Uh, share with us what it is and how do you apply it? Active listening. Um, I mean, we could, I could kind of end it right there. But <laughs> active listening. Active listening is an extremely powerful, powerful way to fully engage people. Uh, I mean, many, and, and I know I'm preaching to the choir with you, but many improvement projects require teams of people working together, all who bring a different perspective to the table about even what the problem is, let alone how to solve it. And uh, early on in my healthcare career, um, I found myself facilitating like Kaizen after Kaizen after Kaizen, um, and, and teams of you know, 15 to 20 folks would gather for a week at a time to solve a problem. Um, and, and every person had a role to play. Um, some were external customers to the product or service, some were internal, uh, while others, you, you know, intentionally were completely disconnected because they brought a fresh perspective to, the, to, to what the problem and the potential solutions might be. Um, and, and, you know, it takes work to wrangle all of those uh, personalities together and, and engage everyone fully. Uh, it's really easy for people to, to become disengaged. So, you know, for me, practicing active listening, um, seeking the input from everyone, providing a space and opportunity for people to contribute, um, and then demonstrating um, how how everyone was was heard, and that their their thoughts, uh, feelings, sometimes uh, were accounted for, um, is just really powerful to kind of moving everybody uh, in in an aligned fashion towards a common goal. No, I, I love that answer again, Jason. And it is interesting. So for me being um, at one point a non-healthcare professional, and then when I finally made the move into healthcare, I came from an environment where projects were 100% of how we got things done. And to come into healthcare where it was, a, you know, the culture that I tend to find is we we, you know, stay quiet long enough to let folks stop talking just so we could kind of get our word into. So um, that that was kind of my first realizations around the different cultures from healthcare from, you know, other industries that I was more familiar with when I first came in. But your point around active listening, I think, is such kind of the godsend for any project manager. That was my lesson, because then you can not only just hear and respect the team, but you can also start to pick up on like the political undertones and some of the other tensions that might live within projects or if there's other needs that need to be met that you know aren't explicit at the time that a team is coming together so i i just you know connecting some of those extra dots from my point of view but i love your point just active listening it it, it is what it is and if you do it well the teams tend to be fairly 
intimate, fairly solid overall. Yeah, you, you know, I, uh, I would get a kick out of, um, in a very positive way, I would get a kick out of facilitating an event. And, you know, we'd be two or three days into this thing and, and there's a conflict of perspectives. And, and, you know, as a facilitator, you, you need to navigate that and jump in. And there would be times where I would do so. And uh, I may take something that, that somebody has, has offered that has gone kind of maybe unnoticed up to that point and sort of be their sponsor for that sort of idea or that concept and really raise it and, and kind of put it out there. Um, and, to, and to see um, kind of the spark in somebody who, you know, it's typically the quieter folks, but to see the spark in somebody that, um, somebody was listening. <laughs> and, and now that, that now their idea is, is, is being given merit and, and truly being sort of uh, bantered back and forth by the team. Um, it's kind of given them a, a pass to, to speak up, you know, to be empowered. Um, yeah, I took a lot, of, a lot of pride in doing that. All right. Wonderful. Now, I love that advice and that feedback again. And um, next question I have for you, and I hope it kind of plays into maybe the same mindset, but um, would love for you to share with us, Jason, one of the best aha moments that you've had as a healthcare professional. But again, kind of walk us through that moment, um, share with us maybe when the idea struck you, and definitely if you were able to turn it into a personal or a professional success. Um, aha moment. Um, so, Myself, like you, I spent, uh, gosh, the better part of 10 years, maybe a little over 10 years in a completely different industry uh, before getting into healthcare. Um, much more traditional engineering. Uh, mine was logistics, um, <clears throat> uh, warehouse uh, management kind of, kind of engineering work. And um, it was very early on in my uh, healthcare career that I was handed an opportunity to work with a team to solve um, patient flow for a very large hospital. Um, patient flow is a very broad term. Um, I know sometimes we, um, we, we boil it down to just like the stay, but it's, it's far beyond that. And, um, you know, in, in, in the process of discovery about what is, what is patient flow, what is the problem, what are all the symptoms and undesired effects of, the, of that problem, um, it was like, like an aha for me, like, oh, wait a second. This is a this is a classic logistics problem. Uh, I mean, this is about the flow of information being disconnected from the the, the events that are taking place. Um, that you know the the information doesn't flow always timely and, and completely or in a in in a completeness for for the right sequence of events to happen uh, for us to have the desired outcome. And and so for me, it was like wait a second, I, you know, I've solved this problem many times over. Uh, we just need a mechanism to sort of organize and disseminate the, the right uh, information in the, in the right moment um, for the events to, to occur in, in the best possible sequence to drive to this improved outcome, right? And um, out of that came the concept of a logistics center for a hospital. I mean, and this is a decade ago. Um, and uh, so we really worked on uh, what does that look like and, and what does it really mean and who are all the stakeholders. And um, it, it, for, for me, it was a great opportunity to work across many silos within a hospital and being fresh into my healthcare career, um, I was able to learn a ton um, working with many different uh, uh, caregivers, um, you know, all the way from transporters to surgeons. Um, um, with regards to, to patient flow. Um, and, and we ultimately were able to take real-time information, uh, develop algorithms to analyze and, and guide decision-making. Um, and it was really transformative in, in many ways um, uh, to take a concept that, that I used in, in uh, warehousing and, and logistics and transportation space and apply it to patient flow. Um, and it was amazing to watch clinicians kind of really latch on to this concept and so I had a lot of fun with it, um, but that success, um, not only in developing the, the, the processes, the analytics and, and such, I mean, that, that to me is kind of the easy stuff, uh, but uh, developing the, the relationships uh, across such a wide spectrum of caregivers 
for me, opened a ton of doors for me to have an opportunity to transition into uh, operational and administrative roles, uh, the ability to lead and guide uh, programs, if you will. Um, and so I've, I've, take, I've taken that opportunity um, and, and I've run with it. And, and I'm here today uh, because of it. No, that's pretty awesome. I, um, again, just to connect, I guess, my story with yours, I think I had a very similar moment. I first came into healthcare. I was dropped in the emergency department for, for the most part and told to fix it. Um, and then four years later, I emerged, um, you know, and for me, <laughs> for me, I was totally, totally hooked. And that's what I think I kind of heard in your story as well is you came in probably, I'm sure, not knowing healthcare. Um, probably wide-eyed, but you were able to kind of lean back on those um, those prior moments and trainings to apply it. But it sounds like you were really, really hooked after that first success. Oh, it, it, yeah. Um, it was it was the for for me, you know, and I do believe um, in timing. Uh, but for me, it, it it was the perfect entry sort of into healthcare. Right? It helped to really bridge bridge me uh, from what I was doing in, in more of a true engineering space to now healthcare. Um, it sort of greased the skids, if you will. And, and um, it just was, it was a great experience. That's awesome. Um, I appreciate you reflecting on that aha moment. Um, love to move you to the next question. And I'm really excited to, to hear your answer on this. Um, again, given your background with <laughs> um, technology and telemedicine, but I uh, would love to share some of the um, current changes that are going on in the healthcare industry that you might be excited about. And additionally, what role do you see quality and process improvement professionals playing to promote or support its longevity? Oh, great question. Um, you know, COVID-19 right now is presenting uh, so many changes at such a rapid pace. Um, I'm not sure we're able to truly keep up. Um, but, but putting that aside, um, far beyond this immediate crisis, uh, I, I see a role for quality professionals within the virtual care space. Uh, you know, I know I'm probably a little biased and, and uh, believe in it, but um, I really think we need them to bring their talents and skills to bear, uh, helping to redesign the way we deliver care. Uh, we really need help uh, with better workflows, more meaningful uh, connectivity and interoperability across the board uh, to drive better uh, care and outcomes. Uh, there, there's just so many opportunities to further develop uh, the delivery of healthcare using virtual presence um, as the kind of the centerpiece, uh, whether that's uh, virtual visits, um, you know, the inpatient uh, care that, that we provide, remote patient monitoring, You've got wearables now. I mean, it's you name it. it it's kind of all out there for us to uh, to take advantage of. We just really need a lot of help from uh, quality professionals, in in my opinion, to to really help us to to organize it, structure it in in the most efficient ways possible, um, so that we're bringing the best product and services uh, to the market. No, I, I mean, you, you definitely met my expectations with your response there. Let me go way off script this time, Jason. So just giving you the heads up now. <laughs> so one, one of the biggest struggles that I'll say I've personally had um, doing the work that we do. So around quality process improvement, but of course, as engineers, we want to bring some, you know, pretty unique level of innovation to the problems that we're helping healthcare companies solve. And I always find myself um, probably coming up with ideas that the team just, they're not ready for, or, you know, they still, they need time to get their heads wrapped around it. Like I'm, I'm in like 2025 and they're still crossing the line into 2020. Would sure. you have any thoughts for me, for the audience? Um, you know, when we're coming up with solutions that might be quote unquote too innovative, whether it's just their, you know, our team's ability to kind of understand or grasp the concepts, or even if it comes down to budgetary restrictions and regulations or anything else, um, would you have any advice on how do you broach that? Or how do you start to plant the seeds to still lead a team towards innovative thoughts 
that could end up, you know, being virtual care, like you're sharing with, with the work that you're leading now? You know, drummer says that that is a really uh, tough question. It's a great question, um, and I, I'm not sure that I have the best answer. But you know, there are a lot of uh, organizations out there, and I'm, I'm talking about some healthcare organizations <clears throat> that um, have now have uh, chief innovation officers. Um, you know, and I know some of us are getting tired of the alphabet soup and the, the number of chiefs and is this CIO a chief information officer or a chief innovation officer? What? But they, they, they are uh, employing these, these uh, innovation uh, leadership roles uh, to do kind of to attack just what you're getting at. Um, and, you know, if you have an opportunity to identify those folks and, and connect with them, that that's certainly one one way to uh, to get those ideas out there. If you're currently in an organization that that doesn't necessarily have that culture or maybe have that bandwidth, um, that's that's a really challenging uh, position to to be in. Um, and and I don't necessarily have a great answer on how to navigate through that. Um, I've sat in that that chair myself, um, and I've actually sat in both on both sides, if you will, of a, of a company that was um, really dogmatic, and and then one that was just um, extremely innovative with with an actual uh, innovation department um, seeking extremely creative ways to to care for patients, um, and. That's that's a that's a great question, um, and one I, one that I hope if you get a very fruitful answer to, I, I would love to uh, be connected uh, to it. Um, I'll I'll share a quick a quick story about just sure. innovation. Um, you know, form a hospital, and I'll be careful to to, to name names, just in being ultimately respectful, but um, super innovative. Uh, actually you know, developed in-house uh, technology, leveraging the uh, Microsoft Connect um, uh, audio, video, the, you know, it connects to the Xbox and it you know, tracks your movements to, for you to interact with games. Yep. And um, they, they actually leveraged that technology to kind of put like a geofence around uh, a patient in the bed um, to monitor that patient for fall risk. And if the patient, if a, a body part of a patient kind of went beyond that geofence, um, it would sound an alarm and give the patient a reminder to, to get back in bed, but it would also sort of uh, send an alert to the nurse's station. Just super innovative and creative. Um, and, and those are the types of things that, that I'm kind of speaking to when I say, <clears throat> you know, we need more uh, external perspectives uh, being brought to bear um, in, in this space to, to really transform the way that we're providing care. No, for, uh, I'll definitely say for such a very, very loaded question, Jason, you did a great job responding to it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I answered it, but but I did my best Texas two-step. No, that was, that was wonderful. And you did it on beat. But um, no, you know, it's interesting because seriously, I, I was in a meeting earlier today, funny enough, with um, a couple of executives making some pitches for um, new ideas. And I I could tell like 10 minutes into my presentation that it probably wasn't going too far. So I just kind of stopped and I said, you know what, guys, let me let me kind of pull the information back. Let me just make sure I, I got all my I's dotted, T's crossed. Um, but I knew right then as I was presenting and kind of saw the looks on their like the blank faces like, hmm, where is this going? my strategy was to pull it back and say, you know, I'm just going to have to pace myself and like plant seed after seed, maybe catch some of the executives one at a time so they can see, you know, I can really go in depth with the vision that I want to help them with. But again, it's, um, yeah, it's just, that's one of my personal struggles is I want to give them the best. Like I, I'm confident enough. I could get you the best solutions, but yeah. sometimes I know I'm just going to have to plant it one seed at a time. So um, absolutely. Um, 
Absolutely. If you have the advantage of understanding what fills their cup or, or what resonates with them, um, then, you know, that's, that's a uh, one, one way or one tactic to sort of um, get more airtime, if you will, with regards to your idea. But yeah, that's not always feasible. Yeah, and that's an interesting struggle. But um, let me move you to the next question. And again, just with our shared background as industrial engineers, um, would love to kind of get your take on this. But how can the healthcare industry become a more attractive place for ambitious, talented, quality professionals to start and or grow their careers? Uh, um, you know, my father um, has, has told me once, um, took me by surprise, but that he was jealous. And... Um, and he doesn't come across that he'd ever be jealous, but that he was jealous that I was able to get into healthcare. He would have loved to have had a career in healthcare. Um, and, and he's obviously not uh, a clinician or caregiver of any, of any sort. Um, but I think healthcare, the healthcare industry as a whole needs to be far more open uh, to and inclusive of external perspectives. For so many years, healthcare was uh, a closed system, a closed network, and the, um, forgive me, but for the, the alphabet soup after your name um, really meant something and, and was uh, what sort of facilitated entry into the club. All right. Hey, Jason, you there? Hey, I am. I apologize, man. I just had a flicker in my internet, so I got knocked off. I apologize for that. Absolutely. Zero worries. <laughs> All right. So um, right before it kind of flicked off there, uh, you were talking about the alphabet soup. Oh, okay. I'm I weird. Oh, Give sorry. My, I don't even know what I said anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you know, I, it's, um, it's um, interesting. What I was saying was, is that the, the, Healthcare industry really needs to be more open to and inclusive of external perspectives. Um, and, and like you referenced, for so many years, it was a closed system. Uh, the alphabet soup after your name is what really facilitated entry. Um, it got you into the club, if you will. Um, and, and unfortunately, that was that was a, a very real <laughs> barrier uh, for you to have to break through. Um, you've got players like Walmart, Amazon, uh, Google, uh, you know, big, big tech companies, retail companies, they're making waves in the healthcare industry right now. Um, there's no better time for these large health systems to sort of wake up uh, to, to, and to expand their thinking, uh, really seek talent outside of strictly healthcare. Uh, big ideas are, are what's really needed right now. And, and we need to, I take some responsibility. We need, we need to advocate, continue to advocate uh, for opportunities for folks. And I think that's, that's what we've got to do. Nope. Perfect. I, I actually have no add-ons for you there. I, um, I agree with you hundred percent. And again, it, it even kind of connects back to what we were saying around really pushing innovation with, um, you know, with our teams, because the innovative thoughts aren't just going to come from one particular group, be it doctors or nurses, it's going to come from all these diverse leaders, um, you know, bring in just diverse ideas. Absolutely. So, um, so wonderful. Uh, Jason, thank you for that response. And to push us forward, um, just want to highlight that we're like right there at the halfway point of the show. And I'm going to move us into something I call the two minute drill. But first, just want to do a quick check, see if you're ready to rock and roll. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Wonderful. Well, Jason, the uh, next question I have for you is something of a two parter. Would first love for you to tell our quality people something about your current role that inspires you to do your best and then share with us how do you inspire others within your organization? So I'm a fairly humble guy. Um, I wasn't always that way, but I, I certainly am now. Uh, I don't necessarily think of myself as, as truly inspiring others, but for me, um, what fills my cup, and I, I think I've said this, but it's, it's the ability to expand access to healthcare, uh, bringing meaningful and quality care 
um, to communities across the country in my role now um, truly, truly, truly brings me uh, great joy. Uh, I still wake up every day thinking, dang, I'm lucky uh, that I found myself working in healthcare and, and um, that I get to do this every day. Um, I like to think that uh, I project that joy uh, outwards and that it's uh, contagious. Um, as, a, as a leader, I have found myself um, being people's champion, being, being their cheerleader, uh, really desiring for them to reach their full potential and find their joy in, in their work. Um, and um, I'd like to think that, that, that I bring that every day and that I encourage people to, to um, you know, seek, uh, seek happiness in, in what they're doing and uh, really give it, a, give it their all. So. All right, perfect. And Jason, what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? <laughs> Never be afraid to own it. Uh, all caps, underline, bold. Um, never be afraid to own it. Mistakes are a part of life. Um, it's out of failure that, that uh, we grow um, the most. Um, and, and not to be cliche about it, but it, it's true. Uh, the lessons that we learn from our mistakes are, are really the foundation for our future success. I, I truly believe that. Um, it is a great character trait uh, of trust and integrity as well, uh, which can go farther than you imagine in, in building strong relationships. So, you know, whatever it is, good, bad, or, or other, otherwise, own it. All right. Well, if I was young enough to do hashtags, I would be like hashtag on it. So, <laughs> no. Perfect. I love it. Uh, next question I have for you, uh, Jason, if you could trade jobs with anyone in your organization, with whom would it be and why? Oh, just one. Oh, <laughs> man. Uh, so like I said earlier, I kind of get to dabble a little bit, but, um, you know, I love all of the creativity of marketing and all the kind of cool things they get to do uh, with campaigns and such. And uh, as I am reminded uh, by my marketing director, I, I'm not that creative. <laughs> so, um, but however, I'm a data junkie at heart. Uh, so I would probably switch roles with our analysts. Um, I, I love to dig into data and, and develop advanced predictive analytic models, um, sometimes just for the heck of it. Um, so yeah, that's who I'd probably trade jobs with. All right, perfect. Well, it's funny. It's funny you say marketing because for me, the things that I'm doing through my small business, marketing is hands down my favorite thing to do. Um, uh, it's so, awesome. Yeah, so if it's just coming up with some digital campaigns or you know some some digital artwork or whatever, just to come up with a cool message, so uh, so I can relate. So awesome feedback there. Um, well, Jason, would love to get you to share a personal habit that contributes to your success when leading quality improvement initiatives. Uh, personal habit. Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind, and I, I don't know if I'd classify it as a habit, I guess, would, would, would be taking action, uh, being action-oriented and not settling for kind of the comfort of inaction in times where change is needed. Uh, I'm a pioneer by nature. Uh, I think most uh, industrial, industrial engineers are. Um, and I love to bring people along for the ride. So uh, I believe that, that I've got the ability to uh, quickly assess current information and data, seek input from others, take that decisive action and move forward. Um, you know, in addition to that, I, I have the ability to kind of quickly assess the merits of that decision, right? And of course, correct. Uh, and kind of back to the own it. Hey, uh, that, that, wasn't a, that wasn't a good decision. That one's on me. Let's, let's try this direction. Um, but in doing this, I've personally sort of demonstrated that it's okay to be wrong, um, to fail, uh, but keep moving forward. Take action. I love it. It's almost like a PDCH cycle in real life. So <laughs> <laughs> that's you know that, that's a that's a great way to to look at it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, next question I have for you, Jason, is what is your go-to website or mobile application that helps you execute on the work that you lead? Uh, you mean besides email? <laughs> I think I'm in an email more than I need to be. Um, it's um, for me, it's, it's, and I've bounced around a lot of different applications and, and I think it's really important for people to find what works for them um, because we're all different. We all think differently and, and take information in differently. But for me right now, 
It's an application called Trello. Um, it's um, it's it's a um, it's a wonderful app that, that for me helps to organize information and tasks by the groupings that I choose. Um, it allows me to actually practice in my own uh, daily routines um, the framework of Kanban. Um, so I'm able to kind of set up my own sort of sequence of of um, the, the the work stream, if you will, with regards to a specific initiative. And kind of outline the tasks and I can physically sort of move them from you know uh, planning to kind of done if you will just to keep it high level um, I can I can share the boards that I that I create with with folks and invite people into that um, I don't do that a lot not not because I'm <laughs> not wanting to, to invite people in it's just it, it's typically used um, to kind of manage my my life and my my daily standard work so I, I literally manage half of this podcast using Trello, like tracking, you know, f- the folks I've invited and, you know, some of the show recordings, but huge fan of Trello. So I, re- I respect the answer there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a great program. <laughs> and, and it's free. So to all of our quality people, Trello is free to start. So uh, wonderful there. Uh, Jason, could you please share with our audience a professional society and a professional conference that you think would be a value add? Uh, uh, so it is super important to invest in yourself um, and to take all the opportunities to network. Uh, it, it is not something that I have always done well. Um, so this may be uh, a little bit of a do as I say, not, not as I've done scenario. <laughs> but uh, with that, um, I've personally found uh, value in being connected uh, with the Institute of Industrial Engineers and specifically their Society of, of Health Systems. Um, and, and obviously, uh, the Society of Health Systems was not something I kind of got into until I started my healthcare journey, but um, found a lot of value in being, being uh, connected uh, with them. Um, you know, but there's so many good ones out there. And, and another one for me right now is just the American Telehealth uh, Association. So. Uh, it, you know, for the position that I'm sitting in or for what I'm trying to advocate for that, that's a, a wonderful nationally recognized, uh, uh, conference that's out there. Um, you know, I, I, I would put a plug in, however, for local opportunities to engage and drive change. Um, I recently had the opportunity to travel back to North Carolina, uh, which is where I moved to, to Georgia from recently and engage in the North Carolina Healthcare Association. Um, and um, I'm getting engaged with the Georgia Healthcare Association as well. And there, there's a great deal, I think, to be learned from uh, these more local gatherings and, and opportunities to engage uh, with, with advocacy as kind of a purpose. These, these local and, and more regional associations are really trying to advocate for um, you know, improved delivery of care and, and um, transparency across the healthcare delivery system, parity with payment systems and law. I mean, they're just doing a lot of really great things that could be a benefit to the masses. So I put a plug in for, for our, our local associations. No, so I love all that. And I have to say, Jason, we are probably crossing paths too many times without actually meeting now because... <laughs> Um, so I, I'm a board member with, uh, SHS, so I need to figure out which groups you're hanging out with so I could catch up with you there. Um, but then also with the, uh, Georgia, um, healthcare executive group. So I'm sure one of these days we are going to be face to face. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. I, I really, really desire to get far more active with, um, the Georgia healthcare association, the, the SHS I have been admittedly and and i can be scolded uh dormant for uh, a couple of years um you can get that way in your career when when you find yourself super busy and um you, you know three kids at home and i can make all the excuses in the world but um but um yeah good stuff no, good stuff man good stuff like i said we're, we're definitely going to connect and um again being that you're right here in atlanta for sure after we stop social distancing um, we will absolutely get together and grab coffee. So I, I look forward to that too. You bet. 
next question I have for you is, do you have a book that you could recommend to our audience um, and, and share with us why you would recommend it? Uh, you know, I get asked this quite a bit too, and, and I recommend a variety of books. It's almost situationally based. Um, uh, one, of, one, of, one of the easiest reads you can possibly do um, that I recommend a lot is Who Moved My Cheese? Um, and you know, it's just, it, it's a really great anecdotal kind of presentation of, of human beings and, and how we, uh, react to change. Um, and I, I tell you what, I've, I found myself using, um, that book as a reference in, in many, many, many meetings where I know folks have read the book or are familiar with the book and, uh, we make light of it. And it's like, I'm not only going to move your cheese, I'm going to change the color of the cheese. I'm changing the size of that cheese. <laughs> I'm putting a few more holes in your cheese. You know, it's, and uh, to just try to make light of it. But um, I, I just, I find that to be a, a very quick, uh, meaningful book that, that people can kind of get through um, in, in an evening and uh, come out of it with a, a, a new perspective on change. All right, perfect. Yeah, that's like one of those classic hour-long reads right there. But um, <laughs> but yeah, perfect for any healthcare professional. If anyone in our audience hasn't read it, um, you heard it from Jason, you're hearing it from me, it's a must-read. So we are right there, Jason, at the very last question I have. But uh, just giving you a heads up, this is kind of a personal favorite because I'm going to get you to reflect on your pa past while you look forward to your future. So Let's say you're able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past and one text message 10 years into the future. Take a second and think about it, but what would you communicate in each one of those questions, each one of those messages? <laughs> uh, okay, so the, the, the very first thing that popped into my mind was text myself 10 years ago and say, stop it too. Um, I have three kids. <laughs> Stop it too. They will, they will outnumber you. <laughs> and, but uh, no, um, being serious now for a minute, I would, um, I'd, I'd text my past self. Oh, I would say, breathe, slow down, listen with a open mind. Don't fight the small stuff. Um, you know, since Take a step back, see the bigger picture, and really try to invite as many perspectives as you can uh, into your world. Um, you, you know, I think early on I, I was too closed-minded, um, and boy, gosh, if I got my mind set on something, I was I was going to fight tooth or nail until I, you know, until I saw it through. And um, you know, when you reflect on some of that stuff, you you, you just say. You know, the juice really wasn't worth the squeeze on that. Um, and it's unfortunate. Um, but many times in life, we have to learn things the hard way. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, I think, what I would say to my, my past self. Um, whether, whether my past self would, have, would listen is a, is a topic for another podcast. Um, but uh, the text to my future self, um, you know, I'm still young enough, right? I still got a pretty healthy journey ahead of me. I would say, I would say dream big. Um, have you achieved the goals that you've set out for yourself? Uh, you know, think about um, what, it, what it is that you really want to accomplish in this world. But, um, you know, I think accountability plays an important role in our lives. And so, sending kind of a, a message out there to your future that's going to force you to assess and, and tick off a, a goal sheet um, uh, can, be a, can be a great motivator. Um, I think we all must remember that uh, first and foremost, we're accountable to ourselves. All right. Can't top those two messages, but I, I personally love Dream Big. And so I, I could see getting that message just out of nowhere 10 years into the future would definitely <laughs> challenge the thought process. Um, for sure. Now, Jason, man, thank you so much, um, you know, for giving me time this evening to, to really learn more about you, your very, very impressive career path, the uh, work that you're being called to lead with Eagle um, telemedicine. Um, so I really, really appreciate you. Um, before I let you off the line tonight, I would love for you 
to give our quality people, our audience, that parting piece of advice, um, share the best way that they can follow or connect with you on social media. Definitely, please also share maybe the website um, for your organization or where they can go get more information about Eagle. And then we will uh, officially sign off. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as, as, as a member of the quality world, um, I, I would say be authentic and adopt flexible thinking. Um, even we can get caught up in um, dogmatic thinking and approaches to solving problems. You know, we talk about the, the tool belt and the tools and use the right tool. But, but um, I, I find a lot of times that, uh, that even we get, get sort of stuck in, you know, in a routine. Um, but, you know, we're all humans and we find comfort in routine. Um, the world around us is changing rapidly and there's nothing any of us are going to do to stop that. Um, and we would do well to position ourselves to adapt and constantly grow. Uh, there was a saying I heard recently um, that was that was actually said during a really tough transition. Um, and it, it was it was said in a very direct manner. It's, and it's a very direct uh, quote that I'll, that I'll repeat here. Um, and it really just kind of shook me like I, I kind of had that moment and said, whoa, OK, you know, that's a really rough way to, to, to get a message, but boy, is it on point. And that is, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance a whole lot less. Um, and like I said, that's a pretty direct way to put it. Um, but I think it's a pretty valid message. Um, for those that, that do want to, um, connect with me or, or, um, follow me, um, you can, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, our uh, company's website is, is eagletelemedicine.com, um, all, one, all one word. Um, and you can really uh, learn a lot from, from our website. It's, it's constantly evolving and, and changing as we're looking to mature our message. But um, you can certainly find a lot of information about what we do and, and how we do it and what our current response is to, to COVID-19. So I, I have to admit, and until recently, I've been a bit of a sideline participant with regards to social media. Um, and, uh, that that's changing. I'm being forced a little bit more into the, into the limelight in this role and uh, I'm starting to get, get used to it. All right. Well, I was going to say, welcome to, uh, welcome to 2020, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. No, uh, Jason, seriously, again, thank you for all of your words of wisdom today, um, to our quality people everywhere. Thank you all for listening and making us a part of your day. This is Jarvis and Jason, and we are officially signing off. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Quality Cast, brought to you by the Quality Coaching Company. If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.